you will turn to Luke chapter 9 this morning. We're going to be looking at several passages this morning. Uh, our preaching style around here is normally expositional preaching. Uh, we're going to do a little something more topical this morning, and uh, I believe it's necessary to understand the full encompassing work of prayer in a person's life. As you can see, uh, what we've been hearing from Christian and even what Jonathan brought up here just a moment ago and uh, the Jamaican team coming back from uh, Jamaica, of course, it's good to have them back. There's so many moving pieces when it comes to a church that seeks to make Christ known. And, and, and I'm so proud to be able to help lead a church that, that believes that that the hope for this world is Jesus Christ. And, and so we see that not only in our ministry here in the county, we see that in the ministry as we go out throughout the world. Uh, what we do here on Sunday mornings, it's all about making him known, his ways known, his character known, who he is. And really when it comes to that, we have to, as individuals, take responsibility in that role also in how to know him. And so when it comes to knowing God, it's not a, a, a move of being spoon-fed like here on Sunday mornings. It has to be something that you take personally in your life, that you make that dedication to, to as we said today, or we'll be looking at today, to engage in prayer. Prayer is vital when it comes to knowing God. So look at the introduction there on your outline. For transformation to take place in the life of a believer, God's word and prayer are imperative. Prayer invites the opportunity to turn the insights of God's word into a life-changing discussion. A life-changing discussion. Now, when you really think about it and you go back and you begin to uh, look at what we've discussed up to this point since the first Sunday in January, we've talked about this a whole idea that to know God is to know his word, to know his word and to, to learn more really not only about God, but also about who we are. And then we even looked at this idea that there's nothing wrong with resolutions in and of itself, especially as we begin a new year, nothing wrong with that, but there's something deeper what God wants to do in your life. And that is transformation. That's the biblical term that's used to describe the process he seeks to do in our lives. It cannot be done apart from God's word. And, get, and secondly, it can't be done apart from prayer. And so when it comes to that, what I want us to look at this morning it has to do with our culture here at Pleasant City Church. Many of you know that we have 11 parts to the culture in which we see playing out here in the church. And with many moving pieces, as I described a while ago, it's important that we're all on the same page. It's important that we understand the culture from which we operate. And so the first thing, and many of you know it probably, as it relates to our culture, is that Jesus is our lead story. We will never apologize for that. He is the one that we're called to make known. But the second part of our kingdom culture is scripture and prayer are prime. We believe it is of most importance. And so therefore, when it comes to prayer, when we pray, we are agreeing with the Holy Spirit of our desperate need for his presence. We are asking for his transforming power to consume and move in us both personally and corporately. Ultimately, we believe the purpose of prayer is to align ourselves with his will, his ways, and his word. So when we gather, our ultimate purpose is not to fill empty time or transitions with empty words or phrases and call it prayer. 
but to invite the Holy Spirit to meet the deepest needs of those gathered for the advancement of his kingdom and the glory of his name. You see, we believe prayer is transformative. We believe God not only wants to take you as an individual and transform you into the likeness of what he wants to see in you, we believe he'll do it for our church family too. I can't tell you what I've seen in these last couple of years as a church. We, I don't know about you, but as a result of God transforming you, we corporately are being transformed as a church, as a local church into what God's called us to be. And, and I'm so proud of the fact that we get, yeah, amen, let's give the Lord a hand for that because that's what he wants to do. He wants to transform us. So the path to that is prayer. So how can we personally get in line or, or understand this whole idea of prayer? So I want to ask you these questions. Don't raise your hand. They could, it could be incriminating. But anyway, are you satisfied with your prayer life? Today you're sitting here. Are you satisfied with your prayer life? Do you remember a time in your life when your prayer really meant something, that your prayer life meant something to you, when, when you really heard from God? When you began to see him move in your life and maybe you journaled and, and wrote down your prayer requests and just answered and saw where God answered it or whatever. What do you see there? Here, here's another question. Is there currently something you have been praying about and from your perspective, you have not heard an answer? You ever been there? Maybe you're there even now. How about this one? Does the thought, why pray, ever come to your mind? There's some people who believe if God's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. And so I've basically, I've heard that many times. Why do we even pray? Well, we're going to look at these things this morning. So look on your outline. What keeps our prayers from being answered? What keeps it to the point where we don't hear anything? Number one, prayerlessness. You say, well, that's a given. That's a gimme. Yeah, it's true. How do we expect to hear from God in our prayer life if we're not praying? The Bible says in Matthew 7, 8, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks and to him who knocks, it will be open. There's gonna be an exchange. There's gonna be something that will take place when we pray. So number two, unconfessed sin. If there's something in our life that, that shouldn't be there, it is a barrier between us and the intimacy that we have with God. There's always gonna be something. Isaiah 59, two says it this way. Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So we see unconfessed sin can, can keep us from understanding maybe what's going on with our prayer life and what God's up to. Next, broken relationships. This can happen between us, one another. It can happen between you. Maybe there's something that came into your life years ago that, that you were hurt deeply by someone. And maybe as a result of that, there, uh, the, the seed of your unforgiveness became bitterness. And all of a sudden, you're, you've just become someone you don't even recognize anymore. Maybe those closest to you because you've been consumed by this. Guess what? That will affect every relationship you have, including your relationship with God. There's also a dynamic that goes on in marriage. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, husbands be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, when you read that, it's like, what do you mean by that? 
is nothing more than the whole idea of her femininity. It's the idea of her gentleness, her sensitivity, her, her nurturing. That's what it's talking about. It's, it's, not a, it's not a blow to, there's been many women out there, I think I've told you before, that could whip me anytime they want to. I'm, sure, I'm confident of it. <laughs> That's not what this is referring to. It's talking about her femininity, her, who, what makes her female. So it says this, as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of God. Why would you do this? So that nothing will hinder your what? Prayers. Nothing will hinder your prayers. You mean the dynamic that God has put with my wife and I? You mean the, the whole idea of us becoming one that when we're not one, it can affect my relationship and my prayers with God? Absolutely. What keeps our prayers from being answered? Look here, uncaring attitude. Someone who's apathetic. Someone that sees things around them and, and doesn't care anything uh, about helping the situation. It, here's what it says in Proverbs 21. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. There's a connection. That means there's a connection in our prayer life and our relationship with God, the intimacy that we have with God. If we have an apathetic spirit about those things that are around us, it's saying we may not hear from him. How about this one? Inadequate faith. Some treat faith as something magical. I, I, I've seen people do this and, 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 and it's really, it has, it's not biblical at all. There are those who would say, if you just say the right words, you'll get God's attention. Like incantations, incantations. Anyway, I can't say the word. Anyway, it's not a matter of just saying the right words. It's, it's, not, a matter, it's, it's not a matter that you're un, uh, maybe solving a puzzle and then God has your attention. Used to be during certain times of the generations of man, when you look back, and there may be a play even today in cultures around us where people would literally slash themselves and hurt themselves to get God's attention. The prophets of Baal did that. And, no, and so many people do. Some people treat faith or their prayer life as something magical as if we just do the right things. Others put faith in themselves and not God. Therefore, they have a misplaced faith. The Bible says in James 5, 16, the second part, we looked at this last week, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous believer or the faithful can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is, a, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. The reason we don't see this power, the reason we don't have this ability to, where the intimacy is there, where we see things done, is sometimes it's because we don't trust him with what we have, with what we know. So faith is built on trust, and in this case, trust in God relationally, that he is capable of doing what he says. How about this? Look at it on your outline. When we ask, how does God answer? Now, this is something I gave you just a couple of years ago, but I think it's worth really looking at because it really comes down, when it really comes down to it, when it comes to your prayer life, the reason some of you aren't answering is not just because of what we heard before, but there's different ways God does choose to answer our prayers. How many of you have noticed that in life? There's different ways that he answers. The first one is this. If the request is wrong, what do you think God's gonna say? No, <laughs> no. 
Even the closest to Jesus had requests that were rejected. Did you know that? Did you know the disciples occasionally would go to Jesus and, and ask certain things and he would basically, he'd say no. We have one case here in Luke chapter nine. Now, now here's what's going on. Jesus is about to pass through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. Most Jews, to keep from going through this area, would literally take alternate routes, which could be more difficult to pass just so they can get past this area. I mean, I mean, it was really, and Jesus is about, no, we're going to go right down the center here. <laughs> we're going right into this area. Luke chapter nine, look at verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to re be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. This is speaking of Jesus. When it was time for him to, to, for the redemptive plan to play out, when it was time for him to make his way to Jerusalem, then all of a sudden what begins to happen, he, be, he begins to look to that. On his way, he goes through Samaria. In verse 52, it says this, and he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, speaking of the Samaritans, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Basically, they knew this was just a stopping point. He was on his way to Jerusalem. He wasn't gonna stay there. He wasn't gonna dwell with them at this time in that area. He was on his way. So verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, who were known as the sons of thunder, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? You, you want us to light the place up? <laughs> Jesus, in verse 55, it says, he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. You know what you're saying? You have no idea what you really just said. You, you, you're totally off when it comes to the ways that God works here. Of course, they did say, well, it's just like Elijah. I mean, we can't, we got a scriptural reference here. But Jesus was basically saying, yeah, there may be a scriptural reference. It may be a time where God did that over here, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it every time. You see, you can't put God in a box. When it comes to your prayer life, you can't say, okay, it's limited to, to just this right here. He, he may choose to do it a different way than he did before. Again, it's not incantations. It's not us, some magical formula that we pray. And, and when we pray this, we get this. It's derived from a relationship. And James and John, they don't even know what they're asking. And Jesus calls them on it. Verse 56, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. They totally missed it. Is it possible for us to totally miss it in our request to God? Absolutely. I've done it many times, I'm ashamed to say. Some of you probably have been there. If the disciples were capable of making wrong requests, I mean, they were right there with it. Requests that were totally self-serving, materialistic, short-sighted, and immature. If they're capable of doing it, we are too. And I guarantee you, we've all been there. Remember, our requests are being presented, think of this, to an all-loving, all-powerful, and all-knowing God. And, and the thing that we need to understand is I, I trust his judgments more than my own. Have you come to that point in your life? Yeah, he sees the big picture. So our requests need to be filtered really through these types of questions. Listen to this, this is not on your outline, but would my requests 
bring glory to God. After all, your life is intended to, right? Here's another one. Would my request advance God's kingdom? Would my request help others? Would my request hinder me from growing spiritually? Is this something I'm not ready for? Is this something that's going to take me away from the plans and the purposes of God for my life? How many of you have ever prayed that you would somehow come across large sums of money? (laughs) Any of you been there? I've been there. And have you ever wondered why God didn't answer that one? I mean, after all, hadn't we already? God, 50 million. I can't tell you what I could do for you if I had that. I mean, that's endless. I mean, man, you talking about the needs of the church? We'll take care of it. Well, if that's the case, I'm praying for some of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. no, but really think about it. I mean, think about what that kind of money would do in your life. Yeah, you could do great things. Yeah, you could bring glory to God through it all. But, but at what price would, you have, would it pay? Have you ever heard of people who won lotteries that destroyed their lives? Oh, yeah, there's story after story after story. Marriages that were d- destroyed as a result. Lives that, I mean, just think about it. Sometimes God's answers, listen, when he says no, is to save us from ourselves. When we do not know why our request is being rejected, we've got to come to to a point where we trust him with our lives and say, well, obviously that was the wrong request. Okay, God, I get it. We need to do that and and not get frustrated and angry. The great theologian and my personal friend, Gary Marburger says this. (laughs) Prayer may not give us what we want, but it gives us the attitude we need. That's pretty good coming from Gary, isn't it? I tell you. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, in your request, have you ever gone beyond no? How many of you have ever had one of those things that you wanted so bad that it was obvious the door closed? And then what did you do? Many of us try to pry the door open, Right? Sometimes we, we go and we, we try another door that we think is similar. And we begin through all these different doors and then all of a sudden it appears there's a breakthrough. A window was open and you, clip, you step through. How many of you have heard people say, yeah, God will shut the door, but he'll open a window? Have you ever heard that? Sometimes that comes from the pit of hell. Did you know that? I'm serious. There's that time in which you have all these different things that are going on and, and, and we see that something should happen there. Y'all, let's pray for just a moment. Would you, could you pray with us? Father, we just come to you right now. And <clears throat> Lord, we're just uh, in all of who you are. And right now, even as we talk about prayer, we, we just want to lift up someone in our church right now, Father, in this very room. And Father, we just pray that you would have your way in what's going on in that right now, Father. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would just uh, be with those that can take care of him and and father that you would just uh do that at this time father again we just uh trust you with this situation and we trust you with what you're up to and and father we just put him in your hands and we thank you for it in jesus name amen can we just uh you mind just bowing your heads and just praying right now please
Father, again, we just thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. So whatever the reason, if the request is wrong, God says no. And then secondly, if the timing is wrong, God says slow. It's literally the idea that maybe things need to slow down a little bit. Maybe you're not quite ready for that. How many of you, when you were kids, you would ask your parents for something and they would say, not now? What, what may have been, what, what could you say could be the answer? To you as a child, it might as well have been no. When they're not saying no, what are they saying? Not now. Is it possible for God to, to do that on our behalf? To say, not now? <laughs> this is not the time. Yeah, we see that many times in scripture, even when it comes to, to the way he dealt with his disciples. So the two words we think when we hear not now may as well be no. But there are times when God answers and says, not now. In John chapter seven, look here on the screen. It says, then Jesus said to them, speaking to his disciples, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. He's basically saying there's something that you're, you're asking, something you desire for me. And in this case, it was for him to join them in their journey. And he basically says, no, it's not time for me at this time, but you go ahead. He said, the world cannot hate you. It's not hating you at this moment, really, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. And then he says, you go up to the feast. I'm not going yet up to the feast for my time has not fully come. The reason the timing was wrong was because God had a plan and Jesus saw the plan. He saw it. How many times have you ever been to that place in your life where, where you knew you wanted something, you knew that you felt good, you felt it was right there and all of a sudden you felt, well, maybe this is not the time. The things we must keep in mind is that God's time is always perfect. But we live in a fast food world, don't we? We live where at least within an hour we can have anything. How many of you have noticed that now that, that if, if you have any question about anything, all you got to do is look it up on your phone? You remember years ago, we had to find a, a dictionary or encyclopedia. Do you all even know what an encyclopedia is? I mean, <laughs> I mean we had all these different things that, that we would look at and, and try to find the answers to. Now, some of you are so lazy, you just say, hey, Google. Who won the Super Bowl in, in 2008 or something? You know, it, it's almost like it's right there in our hands. But so many times we need to realize that just because the world is operating that way, that's not necessarily the way God operates. Sometimes there's a matter of just being patient. There's that matter of just trusting him with the timing of it all. So we live in an impatient, instant society, but sometimes God delays his response to our request to build something in us, to develop our character, to uh, qualities such as endurance, maybe submission and patience. Plus, he knows the plans that he does have for us. So if the timing is wrong, God says slow. Next, if you're wrong, if you are wrong, <laughs> how many of you ever been there? <laughs> God says grow. Yeah, if you're wrong, if it's not even right right at this point. Turn over to Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at something there, another story that we find with the disciples. But in Mark chapter 10, I remember years ago, um, back in the 90s, 
uh, I had worked real hard to prepare myself for ministry. And I'd gone, actually, we moved here 30 years ago for me to go to Gardner-Webb and got my degree, went on the seminary and got my degree, had my uh, MDiv is what they call it. And I just felt like, okay, God, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. Take me, in, you know, take me where you want to take me, whatever you want to do. And and I remember, and many of you heard my testimony, there was about a two-year period where I was actually working as a student pastor here. And, and, and I was just waiting on God. And, I, you know, for two years, it was almost like he put me on the shelf is the way I saw it. It's almost like, uh, and so I got to thinking, I said, you know, and it didn't cross my mind that I wasn't ready. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was equipped as far as man knows. But for two years, I grew impatient. For two years, it would have been easy for me, even though there were doors that would close, doors would have closed for me to just pry one open and force the issue. But I began to, to rest in what was going on. And, and I began to say, okay. <laughs> but I was frustrated, I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't to the point of anger, but I was frustrated. And, and it was amazing that within that 24 month period, all of a sudden God began to work out a plan that I didn't even know was possible. And all of a sudden, he gave me the privilege to be the pastor of this church. The pastor I served under retired. And so all of a sudden, all these doors. And so after all that happened, I look back and it was like, God, I thank you that you didn't let me go out there. And <laughs> I mean, just door after door after door was closed. And the whole time he was planning something right here. And I look back on it 20 years ago and I thank God that he didn't let me make a mistake <laughs> as far as that goes. You see, in Mark chapter 10, something is going on here. I want you to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John. Now, normally when we start talking about disciples who make foolish decisions or say stupid things, we normally refer to who? Peter, right? He's the one that seems to always be putting his foot in his mouth. But, but look at verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> you ever had your children do that to you? Mom, whatever I ask, I just need you to say yes to. Please, same thing. Sounds like children here, don't they? And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus already know what he wanted him to do? Yeah, he already knew. But they said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. We'd like to be your number two people. We'd like to sit beside you in glory. And we really, you know, we want to rule and reign. And, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. You, you don't have a clue what you're asking about. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? He's like, do you even have a clue what I, you're even talking about? Do you know what lies ahead for me? You really don't get it, do you? They said to him, we are able. Now think about that. We're able to do it. It ain't gonna be a problem. We, we, can, we can stand up again, so we, we're right there with you. But do y'all remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Even Jesus himself 
Look at the torture he went through there. And of course, I mean, all these things, I mean, they're thinking that, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do whatever. And, and maybe it was admirable for them to ask. But Jesus said, and they said, verse 39, we are able. So Jesus told them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I'm baptized with, you will be baptized. He's basically saying, right now, it's not going to happen. But you're going to grow in such a way that you will one day, listen, you will suffer the way I'll suffer. You will, be, you will uh, go out there and, 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 and try to communicate the same thing I'm communicating, and guess what? The persecution is going to come. And so all these things are, are going to happen, but what's he saying? It's not going to happen now. Verse 40, but to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. You see? Is for those. What you're asking is for those who are prepared for it. They weren't prepared for it then. Will they become prepared for it? Evidently, because they will suffer. And so the same thing goes to our lives when it comes to asking and asking God. If, it's, if we are wrong, God says grow. Next, if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. Matthew chapter 7. If you'll go ahead and turn over there real quickly. Matthew chapter seven. So as you turn, listen to this. When your prayers follow the lead of the model prayer of the Lord's prayer, here, here's one phrase in that prayer you'll hear. Your kingdom come, your will what? Be done, okay? If that's where you are, then your request will be right, okay? So Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, look here. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks and he, and he who seeks finds. Uh, and then it says, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you where if his son asks for bread, you'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, you're gonna give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who seek him? Now, the key to understanding what's just been read here is the whole idea of the phrase good gifts. Let's face it, most of us don't know what good gifts are. We don't know what's best for us because sometimes we're self-serving. Sometimes we're short-sighted. Sometimes we, we don't see the big picture, but God sees the big picture. He has that. And so when it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to all these different mechanisms moving along, we need to understand there's something out there that he has for us. And he says, I'll give you the good things, the things that won't wreck your life. I love this verse, Psalm 34, 37, four. Listen to this, delight yourself, delight yourself also in the Lord. The word delight there literally means find your satisfaction in God. Find your satisfaction in him and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So basically, we take this out of context many times. Oh, he's gonna give me what I want. If I just ask, he's gonna give me what I want. No, there's gotta be this whole idea of you finding your satisfaction in him. He says, commit your ways to the Lord. Also trust him and he shall what? Bring it to pass. Trust him. But where does it begin? With us finding our satisfaction in him. With us desiring the same things he desires. How about this? Why pray 
if God knows everything? Why would we even do that? Well, look on your outline. It allows us to do several things. But before we even look at that, look at Hebrews 4.16 here on the screen. The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain and find grace in a time of need. It's that idea that something has changed. In the book of Hebrews, the the whole reason the letter was written was to, to move us from the old covenant to the new covenant. The old covenant was the sacrificial system and all that, but Jesus came on the scene. He provided the new covenant. And so therefore, we don't have to go and find someone to pray on our behalf. We can go directly to him. Something the old covenant, they didn't necessarily have that. And so right now, think about this. Why pray if God knows everything? Here's the reasons why. Number one, it allows us to praise him for who he is. Let, Let me ask you something. If he did everything we say he's done on our behalf, why would we not praise him? Why would we not? You say, well, where do I get the idea of praise from? Well, there's some great lessons in the Psalms about how to praise God. Some of them are just open praise to God. How about what we sing here on Sunday mornings? That's praise to God. I've heard some of you say, you know, I just don't know the music. Well, Let me tell you a place. If you live locally, 106.9 plays the same music we sing here on Sunday mornings. And you can learn it there. That's how I learn it. Listen listen to 106.9. How about this? Why pray if God knows everything? It allows us to grow and become more intimate in our relationship with him. Have you ever noticed that you spend time with those you value and love? You ever notice that? That's who you spend time with. Next, it allows us to show our gratitude for all that God's done. That's what prayer does. When's the last time you thanked him? More than just for food. It allows us to share our burdens with the God of the universe. Think about that. Who are you praying to? To pray for others. Why pray? God knows everything. It allows us to experience peace even in the midst of life's pressures. Some of you are dealing with a life-changing crisis in your life. Through prayer, a life of pressures can be replaced with a life of peace. It's just you understanding who he is, the fact that he has a plan for you, the fact that I can rest in him. And then lastly, why pray? If God knows everything, it, well, it allows us to see our lives from God's perspective and his desires for us. When's the last time you did a little self-inspection and evaluation and thought to yourself, I wonder what God really wants for me. You, you pretty much know what you want for you, don't you? But have you ever wondered what he may want for you? I'm gonna ask the ushers to come forward. Would you just bow your heads with me? Father, we just thank you for who you are and Lord, when we look at this whole idea of prayer, it's, it's more than a concept. It's more even than the idea. It's, it's, it's about a relationship. And Father, I just pray for each of us that are here this morning, Lord, that we can understand more deeply what you're desiring when it comes to what we call prayer life. 
And Father, I just pray for each one of us, Lord. Maybe there's someone here today that's just still seeking God for something in their life and they don't understand why they haven't heard. They, they don't understand why there's a closed door sitting in front of them. Father, help them to realize that they need your perspective and that intimacy that they will find in prayer will help them with that perspective. And, and, and Lord, help us to understand not only why we should pray, but even how we should pray. Father, I just pray you'll just help us in that. And Father, I pray you take this offering and use it as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.